Before I went away, I'd prayed and asked the Lord to give me some messages for the harvest. And we were thinking on Sunday morning about God being a farmer, because he's called in the Bible, the husbandman. And we were thinking last night about the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite and the historical significance of that place. I want to think tonight about another subject. And that subject I'm going to entitle The Significance of the Red Heifer. I wonder if you've ever heard any truth and a message preached on the red heifer. I have to confess, I never have. So that's what we're going to read about tonight. And then our sister Ruth is going to come and sing to us. Well, let's just read a few verses. We'll not read the whole chapter. I would love to, but we'll not. But we'll just read the, the, the first 11 verses. Numbers chapter 19. Numbers chapter 19. We're reading from verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. And ye shall give her unto Eliezer the priest, that he may bring her forth without the camp. And one shall slay her before his face. And Eliezer the priest shall take of her blood with his finger, and sprinkle of her blood directly before the tabernacle of the congregation seven times. And one shall burn the heifer in his sight, her skin and her flesh and her blood, with her dung shall he burn. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it into the midst of the burning of the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes and he shall bathe his flesh in water. And afterward he shall come into the camp and the priest shall be unclean until the even. And he that burneth her shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his flesh in water and shall be unclean until the even. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer and lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for a water of separation. It is a purification of sin. And he that gathereth the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and shall be unclean until the even. And it shall be unto the children of Israel and unto the stranger that sojourneth among them for a statute forever. Now, we'll end the reading there at verse 10, but I would encourage you to read this whole chapter, if you can, when you have time at home. We're delighted to have our sister Ruth Garrett with us tonight, and uh, we had uh, our sister Anna Farrell ministering last night. And you can hear that on the internet. And we're going to ask our sister Ruth now to come and also minister to us in song. Thank you, Ruth.
in your behalf. That was really lovely. What true, tremendous message is. Great is thy faithfulness and blessed assurance. I'm just thinking of the time that we sung it over in the um, city of Jerusalem a couple of years ago. Uh, we were in the um, place uh, known as Bethsaida and we were thinking of the pool there and there's a church and we went into it and we sang and it was a tremendous time. There was another group in, and they joined in, and that was one of the hymns that we had chosen uh, to sing. Now, my text tonight is taken from Numbers chapter 19, and the verse 2 in particular, and my theme tonight is spiritual lessons from the red heifer. Now, the Bible presents us with a rich variety of amazing animals. We could think of the serpent. We could think of the sheep. Think of the donkey. What about the dove, the raven? What about the dog? What about the horse? I preached a few weeks ago on the cow. What about the ox and the lion, the bear, the fish? You see, each of these wonderful animals, remember, is a creature made by God. And these animals exist for his good pleasure. And he gives breath to all of them. 
And he uses many of these animals for a variety of divine spiritual purposes. And if we were to lift up each of these animals into the highest spiritual realm and interpret these animals in the light of Holy Scripture, each and every animal opens to us a great treasure trove of spiritual truth and instruction. And from these animals, we can be enlightened and reminded about our relationship with and fellowship with the Lord. Now, now one such animal, I believe, is the red heifer. Look at Numbers 19, verse 2. Let's read it together. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord hath commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer without spot, wherein is no blemish, and upon which never came yoke. Now, this is the only reference in the whole of the Bible to the red heifer. And I put it to you tonight, that in itself is very, very significant. Now there's 19 references in the Bible to the word heifer. And 18 of them are in the Old Testament. And there's only one of them in the New Testament. And I would like you to turn to that reference. That reference is found in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 9. And if you look with me there very carefully in Hebrews chapter 9, And in the verse 13, we're given this information. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 13. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. Think of these words. And the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. See, that text, Hebrews 9, verse 13, corresponds exactly to Numbers chapter 19. You see, in the majority of cases, and especially in the case of the red heifer, the use of the heifer points us to a wonderful picture of the life and the death and the bloodshedding of the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want us to think tonight about the red heifer. Three simple little thoughts. I want you to think first of all of the presentation of the red heifer. It mentions a red heifer in the text. I've asked myself when I've read Numbers 19, what is this chapter all about? What does it mean? Now, I believe the key to understanding the usage of the red heifer in Numbers 19, I believe is found really in Numbers chapter 19, verse 9. Listen to this verse. And a man that is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer, And lay them up without the camp in a clean place. And it shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel. For a water of separation. It is a purification for sin. You see, the ashes of the red heifer. They were to be mingled with clean running water. 
And the application of the ashes with the water was for a purification of the sin of an unclean person in the camp of Israel. And that's exactly how Paul used it in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 13. See, I want you to think tonight of the children of Israel. They're in the wilderness. So they've left Egypt, they've crossed the Red Sea, they're now living in the wilderness. It's a big, vast, howling wilderness. The tabernacle has been set up in the midst of the camp. The, the, the tribes are all scattered around, all 12 tribes, three to the north, the south, the east, and the west, to the tabernacle. And here's a man in one particular tribe, and he has touched the dead body of a dead person. Um, maybe it's a family member. Maybe a child has fallen and died accidentally and you could picture the daddy carrying the child home to mommy and the tears pouring out of his face. You think of somebody maybe being killed by a sword or killed by an axe incidentally and somebody puts their hand down to touch that body that's now dead to, to see if it is dead or living and he touches the body with his hand. You see, that person is viewed by God as someone who is defiled, someone who is ceremonially unclean. And that person could not enter into the tabernacle for worship. That person could not effectively serve God in that condition. And here's the question, how can that person be made clean? How can fellowship to God and his people be restored for that individual? Is there any means? Is there any way? Well, there's only one way. And here's the way it was. A red heifer was taken. The red heifer had to be without spot where there was no blemish. The red heifer never had been under a yoke. It was given to the priest. It was taken outside the camp. It was slain. Its blood was shed. The priest then was to dip the finger in the blood and sprinkle it seven times directly before the tabernacle. And in the carcass of that red heifer, it was to be burnt in his sight, verse 5, Numbers 19, verse 5. And it was to be all consumed by the fire. And as the red heifer's carcass was burning, the priest was to take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast it in to be burnt together with the carcass. And after the carcass was burnt, the heifer's ashes were to be gathered up put in some sort of bowl or jar. They were to be stored in a clean, dry place outside the camp. And then the unclean person, he was to go without the camp, and he was to have these ashes mingled with running water, living water as it's called in the margin, and he was to have that applied upon him on the third day, and also on the seventh day. And after the seventh day had transpired, his defilement had been removed. And then he was clean and cleared to re-enter into the tabernacle to come again to worship God and to serve the Lord. Now remember tonight, this is a ritual. This had to do with the ceremonial law for the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it's a complete ritual. And what's it for? We'll look at verse 9. For a water of separation, it is a purification for sin. Now keep that in mind, and as I've advised you, turn again to that New Testament portion. We'll read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11. But Christ, 
being come on high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. Now listen to this, because here's the key. Look at verse 14 now. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, the true identity of the red heifer, the heifer that was sacrificed outside the camp and its blood shed and sprinkled and then it's being consumed by the fire and the ashes being stored in a clean place and eventually mingled with water to to cleanse an individual, that is a great and wonderful, complete and exact prefiguration of our Lord Jesus Christ in his person and work. You see, the emphasis in Hebrews 9 and verse 14 is on this. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And the red heifer tonight in the Bible, only mentioned once, is a sufficient type to deal with the cleansing of a defiled person. And if that was true to the purifying of the flesh and the ceremonial law of the children of Israel, how much more then is the blood of Christ powerful enough to purge our conscience from dead works, from our defilement, that we might serve the living and the true God? I want you to think tonight, the presentation of the red heifer, the ritual killing of the red heifer outside the camp and her burning is a wonderful picture and type of the Lord Jesus Christ shedding his blood that our conscience might be purged from dead works to serve the living and the true God. Now that's the first point. I trust that that's explanatory. I trust you've grasped that tonight. Now now think of the second point. The provision of the red heifer. Let's go back to Numbers 19. Numbers 19. Look at verse 2 very carefully. This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer. We'll, we'll pause there. Notice the choice of a red heifer. Speak to the children of Israel that they bring thee a red heifer. You see, the selection of the red heifer to me is very interesting. Why? Because it's only mentioned once in the Old Testament. And where do I find it? In the Bible? I find it in the book of Numbers. The fourth book of the Bible. It's interesting that it's not in Leviticus. That's where most of the ceremonial law is explained. Leviticus remembers known as the book of the sanctuary. 
If we think of Genesis, the book of beginnings, Exodus, the book of the law, uh, Leviticus is the book of the sanctuary where the laws are explained, how a sinner can approach unto God. Remember the key verse in the book of Leviticus has to be chapter 17, verse 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for your soul. We can only approach God on the ground of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus. But the mention of the red heifer isn't in Leviticus. It's in the book of Numbers. And Numbers is the book of wilderness wandering. It's the book about the journey. Think of the children of Israel in the wilderness. They, they have left Egypt, which is a type of the world. They have crossed the Red Sea. They, they're now in the wilderness. They're on their way to Canaan. They, they, they're going to the land of promise, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of rest, and they're on the journey. And on the way, there's death. And on the way, there's dirt. And if you've ever been to the land of Israel and walked with just sandals, you, you know the dirt that gets into your feet. And, and, and on the way, there's defilement. So, so think of the children of Israel being defiled by sin on the journey. And it hinders their fellowship with God. They're unclean. They need to be purified. And here's God's method of dealing with such defilement. And you know, I believe there's a spiritual parallel here. We tonight in Christ are redeemed by the precious blood. Many here tonight in this meeting have a testimony to the saving and keeping power of Christ. And if you, if you haven't, we ask you to recognize your sin, to repent of that, and receive Christ by faith as Lord and Savior. The Bible says, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time, now is the day of salvation. But you think of those tonight who are saved and they're on a spiritual journey and that journeys towards heaven and home. You know, the Bible calls Christians pilgrims and strangers in the world. And, and as we travel spiritually on this journey with God, we're daily and constantly experiencing spiritual defilement. In the world that we live and walk in, we experience defilement. We have defilement through the inward remaining corruption in our hearts. The pull and lure, not only of the world, but the pull and lure of inward depravity pulls us towards sin and, and wrongdoing. And we're often beset then by, by a guilty conscience. I, I've done this. I, I have said that. I, I, have, I have performed this act. I, I shouldn't have done this. You, you, you apply that. Lack of attendance at the house of God. Doesn't the Bible say, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy? Oh, that that would be sound out loud and clear in a trumpet fashion in Northern Ireland again. That there might be a flocking to the house of God on the day of God to hear the word of God, to meet at the throne of God. What about a Christian's failure to witness? What about putting self first? What about a failure to pray? I bemoan my own prayerlessness. What, what about feeling unclean? Do you know, and telling himself, I'm not fit to serve God. Coming into church on a Sunday, I'm not fit to worship him. Coming to the Lord's table, I'm not fit to, to, to partake at the table. Why? Because we feel guilty. And we feel drawn to sin and uncleanness. And what does it do? It affects our fellowship with God. 
Well, we're still in a relationship with him. We've been redeemed by blood. We're, we're his by birth and blood and a badge. We're still his child. We don't, don't need to be saved all over again. Because we're not dealing with the subject of justification. We're dealing with a different subject. The subject of our sanctification. Remember tonight the Lord Jesus took a towel in the upper room. We were in the upper room in Jerusalem recently. I was thinking there of the Lord Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. The dirt of the pathways. The, the defilement that was there. You can read about this in John chapter 13 verse 10. Remember, remember Peter. Peter says, Lord, I don't want you to wash me. And the Lord Jesus said, if I wash thee not, Peter, thou hast no partner lot with me. Peter submitted to that ceremonial washing. Remember that man, ceremonial unclean among the children of Israel because he touched a dead body, a child, a man who was slain, or just a relative that had died. And he was unclean for seven days he was outside the camp and a clean person had to come with the 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 running water and the ashes of the red heifer and they had to apply them to the man on the third day and apply them again on the seventh day isn't that what numbers 1919 says and the clean person shall sprinkle upon the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day and on the seventh day he shall purify himself and wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and shall be clean at even and if a man refused the cleansing on the third day, then he couldn't experience the cleansing on the seventh day. And of course, isn't it true? The Lord knows them that are his. The Bible says, but let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And no true believer, nobody who's genuinely saved and justified by the blood of Christ will willingly and willfully live in open sin and rebellion to God. And I say tonight from this pulpit, an individual who claims to be in Christ and who willfully and, and willingly lives in sin, he can't be truly justified. But if he's truly justified and in Christ, he'll want to have that defilement dealt with. He'd want to know in his conscience that he's walking in fellowship with the Lord. He'd want to be sanctified and set apart for the master's use. That's all to do with the choice of the red heifer. That's why it was chosen. Think very quickly of the color of the red heifer. Oh, that's simple. Even the children here can understand. It's red, Mr. McLaughlin. Well, that's what the Bible says. I want to tell you that is a picture of Christ. Our sacrifice. For the purification and sanctification of our sin. You see, red is a unique color. Red heifers are rare. In the land of Israel to this day, there's few that are ever born. Jewish literature has it, and that's literature outside the Bible, that over a period of a thousand years, in the days of Ezra, right up to the days of Christ, there was only eight red heifers ever born. I believe the color's important. I believe that the red heifer's unique. It's one of a kind. I think the word red stands out. And I know that many commentators don't agree with me, but I, I don't really mind that. I, I'm telling you what I believe. You see, the word red reminds me of the word Adam. 
because there's a, a link in the etymology of the, the word. Adam speaks of a reddish hint or shade of color, and it's a reference to humanity. So, so this red heifer can be linked to the humanity of Christ. The Lord Jesus had a perfect humanity. There was nothing to disqualify him from being a great sacrifice for sin because he had a real, true, genuine humanity. He, 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 his genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. And, and the redness not only forces us to think of the humanity of Christ, but forces us to think of the red blood, the blood of the heifer slain and sprinkled. You see, the color red is not only closely associated with Adam, but it's closely associated with blood. And you link it all up. The Lord Jesus had a real, true, perfect humanity. Two natures in one body forever. The God-man we call him. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He's son of Mary, son of man, but he's also son of God. Think of the character of the red heifer. Without spot, no blemish, upon which never yoke came. The Lord Jesus said, which of you convinceth me of sin? The prince of this world cometh and of nothing in me. He never had a sinful thought, uttered a sinful word, committed a sinful deed. He did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin, the Bible says. He kept the law of God perfectly. God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Whenever he was dying on the cross and the centurion plunged a spear into his side, didn't he say, truly, this was a righteous man? During his trial, remember Pilate said, I find no fault in him. Pilate's wife said, I have nothing to do with that just man. Even Judas, the betrayer, said, I have betrayed innocent blood. And you think tonight of this red heifer with never having a yoke on it. Unbroken. And yet the Lord Jesus was not forced to do what he did. He came willingly and voluntary. The life that he lived, the death that he died, he did it willingly. He did it to present himself a once and for all sacrifice to his father. He did it for you and he did it for me. Listen to what the Bible says in John chapter 17. John chapter 10, rather in verse 17. He makes a tremendous statement. He says, Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my father. I want you to think of the cutting of the red heifer. It was taken and slain without the camp. Chapter 19, verse 3 corresponds exactly to Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12 because we read of the Lord Jesus neither by the blood of goats and cows but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us um, by his own blood it's important that you recognize that he suffered without the camp that was where he shed his blood that, that's where his, the blood was sprinkled of the red heifer seven times before the tabernacle. Remember why Christ died, his primary reason, to offer himself a once and for all sacrifice to God. Christ could do nothing for us until first of all he had offered himself without spot to God and God's wrath was appeased and his justice was satisfied and his holiness was fulfilled. It's important that we grasp that. Think of the consuming of the red heifer. The heifer's carcass was burnt. Here's the extent of her suffering. 
cast into the fire. The fire was applied. And it was all burnt. Cedar wood, hyssop, scarlet, wool was added, cast into the midst. The heifer was dead. But when the Lord Jesus was on the cross suffering the wrath of God, he was fully alive. He, he was fully conscious. And in that tree, he suffered the full extent of the Father's wrath. Because why? For he that is God hath made him that is Christ to be sin for us who knew sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Think of the cleansing of the red heifer. The ashes were gathered up in a bowl, kept in a clean place, and applied by a clean person toward an unclean person, as I've said, on the third day and in the seventh day. Numbers 19 and 9. Numbers 19 and 19. And you see, the death of the Lord Jesus not only provides a full and free and forever justification before God, but Christ's death and suffering is the actual ground for the cleansing of his people also in the process of sanctification, in the process of purification from all known sin. Not only is sin put away in the great scheme of redemption, but there's provision for the daily constant cleansing of sin. How do I know? The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 17, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. And there's the provision of the red heifer. Her choice, her color, her character, the cutting, the consuming, and the cleansing. It's all part and parcel of the necessity of being purified from every defilement. And it ties in perfectly to the work of Christ. Now just give me a few minutes. I want you to think of the preciousness of the red heifer and then we're done. See, many commentators came to Numbers 19 and they, 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 they skirt over it. They, they tend to ignore it. Uh, very few preachers have preached in this. But I, when I read it, thought to myself, this is a very practical and precious application for the people of God. Now maybe you're here tonight and you're not saved. And I've already said to you, I want you to recognize your sinfulness before God. For the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I, I, I counsel you in the Lord's name to repent of that sin. Go to God and cry out, God be merciful to me, the sinner. And receive Christ by faith. And if you do that, whosoever shall call, call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But maybe you're here tonight and you are a child of God. And there was a time in your life when you did trust Christ. But you're struggling tonight. You're struggling with thoughts in your conscience. You're struggling with some sort of defilement. Maybe you're struggling with the guilt of some particular sin. And you're saying, is there any help for me? Is there any hope for me? And here's the answer. There is. And it's connected to the red heifer. It's connected to the work of Christ. Remember that Israelite defiled and unclean outside the camp? The clean person comes mixes the ashes with clean water in a bowl and sprinkles him on the third day and again on the seventh day. And he's purified from his sin, his defilement. You see, purification from sin is available. Purification from sin is applicable. And if there's a Christian here tonight and you feel defiled and unclean, and you're out of fellowship with the Lord, maybe you're saying, but I have no victory in my life. Maybe you're saying, but I have no inner peace or real true joy. Is there help for me? There is. Let me say this in closing. Think of the ashes of the heifer mixed with water. Isn't that what the Bible tells us here? 
In verse 17, for an unclean person shall take of the ashes of the burnt heifer of purification for sin, and running water shall be put there too in a vessel. The reference to running water in the margin is living water shall be given. And you, you think of that. Doesn't the Bible talk in Ephesians 5 about the washing of water by the word? Didn't the Lord Jesus say, now you're clean through the word? You see, if you're here tonight and you're struggling with defilement, you're struggling with a guilty conscience, not only do I want you to apply the blood of Christ, not only do I want you to know a fresh application of that blood, because the blood of Jesus Christ constantly cleanseth us from all sin, but I want you to apply the word of God. I want you to, 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 to spend maybe less time on the television and less time with the internet shopping. And, and less time chatting on the phone and reading a magazine and, and open your Bible and bow your head and say, Lord, speak to me out of thy book. And you know, if you let God speak to you out of the book, he'll speak to you. There's many wonderful promises there. there there's loads of precepts there. And one thing that you'll be given, and I, I think that we need this, and this is applicable to us in the Free Presbyterian Church. And if you're not from our denomination, God bless you, don't worry. But you also maybe need this. A deeper appreciation and understanding of the finished work of Christ. You see, let me say this in finishing. And you'll be saying amen to that. Christ not only died to save us from sin's penalty, but he died to save us from sin's power. Earl Wesley was right, the founder of Methodism. He breaks the power of cancel sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood avails for me. But not only saves us from sin's power, he takes the love of sinning out of our hearts. We as God's people don't want to willfully and willingly sin. Why? Because we have no love for sin. There's a hatred for sin and a love for Christ. Why? Because he has taken the love of sinning out of our hearts. And if you lapse and fall as a Christian and you have a guilty conscience, then I would urge you to apply the blood of Christ. I would urge you to apply the word of Christ. Don't excuse any sin. Drag it into the open to the blood of Christ and expose it to the word of God. Remember, Christ has made a full atonement, not only Godward for us in his once and for all sacrifice for sin, but he did it so that we individually could receive a daily purification for sin. Oh, tonight, if you're a backslider here, God is not mad at you. God is not standing over you with a big stick to beat you over the head. He's not fed up with you. He's not saying, I'm going to throw you away and drop you into hell. He's not fully upset with you to cut you off. Why? Because there's forgiveness with God that he may be feared. You come tonight in honest confession. You come tonight with a heart that's yearning for cleansing and allow the blood to be applied and allow the word of God to take root again in your soul. Don't wallow in sin. Don't say, poor me. Don't, don't try to think that you must suffer in your body. Don't try to add the works of penance to please God in order to find relief. You don't have to become a monk or a nun to, to, to be in fellowship and a relationship with God. You don't have to be saved all over again. Oh, if you're facing tonight a crisis of conscience, Christ has made a purification for that conscience from your dead works. 
so that you can freely and joyfully and gladfully serve the living God. This, of course, is progressive work in the soul. Mention of the third day ties into the resurrection. The Lord Jesus died, but glory to God, he rose again. He now lives in the power of an endless life. He has risen. The, the, the seventh day, uh, coming from the third to the seventh, reminds us, of course, there's a period of time in between where this work is gradual, it's not perfected, until we arrive in heaven. But there's a real cleansing. A cleansing that's connected to the covering of the blood. So you're going to have a real consecration to serve God. That's the significance of the red heifer in the book. I pray the Lord will bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. And could I just encourage you, because a lot of this has been deep and detailed tonight. Listen again on the internet. The sermon will be there. And you can do it at your leisure. And may the Lord bless you. Not that I want you to listen to me. But I want you to get the grasp and a handle of the word of God.